welcome to Revolutionary Women. My name is Tess Silverman. Women around the world are constantly creating ways to make a difference in their communities, and today's guest is no exception. My guest today is Patricia Pastor. Patricia is a human rights attorney focused on immigration law and sexual assault law. Her work includes representing unaccompanied youth immigrants fleeing their countries due to gang violence, poverty, injustice, political and religious persecution. She pursues the release of detained migrants and works with families seeking permanent residency based on marriage and family relationships. Patricia pursues justice for survivors of sexual assault and harassment. She has a long-standing commitment to combating violence against women. Her work is informed by her prior experience investigating child sexual and physical abuse allegations for the NYPD and her history as a general counsel overseeing employment investigations. As legislative lead for NOW New York State and president of Nassau NOW, Patricia has been instrumental in promoting the election of women who demonstrate the values of equity for all and ethical leadership. She petitions for legislation on issues critical to women and marginalized communities. Possessing a deep sense of justice for these communities, Patricia regularly contributes pro bono legal services and immigration at U.S. borders and to victims of domestic violence. Hi, Patty. Welcome to Revolutionary Women. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you for coming on. Um, so for those who don't know anything about you, can you please tell us a little bit about yourself? I have a lot of questions, so, you know, you can just make it a little bit, um, just pre-brief, a brief summary. Sure. Okay. Sure. So, um, so I'm a native New Yorker, which is kind of unusual. I was born in New York City, and I grew up in Queens in a little town called Whitestone. Um, I'm one of six children. My parents were both also born and raised in New York City in Harlem. Mm. And I grew up in a civil service household. Um, my dad was an electrician. My mom stayed home. And then she became a crossing guard later on for the NYPD. And, you know, we were eight people living in a one-bedroom house. Wow. I mean, one bathroom house. Sorry, oh, my gosh. One bathroom house. Not one bedroom, but one bathroom to share with eight people. Wow. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so um, when I was 18, I went to work for the NYPD as an admin. And then after a few years and moving around New York City on a couple of different assignments, I landed in the uh, robbery squad in Queens and um, eventually was pulled into the sex crimes investigation unit. Um, And I was initially pulled in to help out, you know, the detectives over there who were very burned out and overwhelmed from that nature of work. And um, as I was there doing administrative work, I ended up learning how to conduct a criminal investigation. And from there, I became an advocate for Mm. victims of sexual assault, rape, child abuse, and um, yeah, and then, you know, my story of leaving that world is a whole show in itself. Wow. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I left civil service after 10 years and I went into being a paralegal and then eventually law school and becoming a mom. Hmm. And uh, now I'm a lawyer and I've done several types of work as a lawyer too. Wow. Oh my goodness, you've done a lot <laughs> in, in, <laughs> in a long, like not too, uh, 
it hasn't been that many years, but it's pretty uh, it's pretty incredible what you've done. So okay, so you grew up with five siblings in New York <laughs> and one bathroom. I can so relate because I lived in Queens. As I grew up in Queens, one bathroom with four women and my dad. So yeah, <laughs> I can I can understand. <laughs> I can relate that. But how was it growing up with five siblings? Well, yeah, you know, it could be really chaotic at times. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you're not lonely because you you, you always have somebody <laughs> around. Right, and, yeah. Um, I have a sister and I have four brothers. <coughs> and so, um, and they were all four brothers were younger. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we were the big sisters. And, um, yeah, it could be, it could be chaotic. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'd go on vacations together in the car. Oh, wow. drive everywhere we never flew right right. so it was adventurous oh my god well that's that's for sure it's always an adventure that's great so you um so you said that you mentioned that your parents were both civil servants did that inspire you to work in civil service is that what inspired you to be in civil service as well well you know i think at first um i i did go into civil service because you know that was you know, basically, my mom guided me that way. You know, mm-hmm. she said, "Why don't you go take it? You know, why don't you go take a civil service exam?" I was a little bit um, uncertain of what I wanted to do when I was 18 years old, mm-hmm. and my mom wanted me to, you know, get to work. So mm-hmm. she suggested that, mm-hmm. and probably didn't think I'd actually do it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was really just a first job. That's really what it was. It was a first, quote-unquote, real job. Right, um, but then from there you got, you know, you were, you then started working with um, the Queen's Robbery Squad, and then afterwards you got into sex crimes investigation, and then now, you know, like uh, advocating for victims of sexual assault. Did that eventually become draining for you? Well, actually... You know, it, it does. It's it's very taxing work emotionally mm-hmm. for most mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. And um, there is secondary trauma involved. And I've learned a lot about secondary trauma in my current work as a lawyer. Mm. At that time in the NYPD, um, I didn't understand mm-hmm. about that. <clears throat> and I worked in the sex crimes unit for three and a half years. And... Um, as I said, when I first joined, most of the detectives I was working with were already burned out. Mm. So I took a lot on. And that was just my nature, is to always sort of take on more than the job title calls for. Mm-hmm. Um, again, my, my title was an administrative title, but I ended up becoming so involved in the work mm-hmm. that I was doing investigative work. So yeah, it does become taxing. And um, really, they rotate people as a policy in mm-hmm. the NYPD so as not to overwhelm people. But sometimes oh. they were understaffed, so they wouldn't rotate people frequently enough. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So I, it was, it was um, taxing, and I think, again, for a variety of reasons, uh-huh. it's important to rotate. Yeah. Yeah, because then you get burnt out if you're not rotated enough. Hey, you know, you if do. you don't, you don't have a, a timeout or something. Wow, or at least some t- some kind of other thing to um, another, I guess another department to go into, or or you know, because then if you're using you're doing the same thing over and over, yes, you do get burnt out. Um, okay, so 
So after leaving civil service, so you you are the president of NASA now, which is National Organization for Women, um, the NASA chapter. So can you tell me how you initially got involved with now and what your role entails? Yeah, actually, it's funny. I got involved with now through my daughter when my daughter was in high school. Huh. Okay. Um, one of one of the moms of one of her friends um, was involved, and the the two girls, her daughter and my daughter, were involved in a youth chapter mm. <laughs> called Youth Now, mm-hmm. and that, and that's what first got me involved is. I got involved on behalf of my daughter, and ultimately that led to my being directly involved in in, in the National Organization for Women itself. Okay. And can you tell us what NOW does? Um, I mean, for those, I mean, most people know about NOW, but, you know, just for some clarification. Yeah, so the organization fights for equal justice for women, <clears throat> equal pay, reproductive rights, on the advancement of women in politics and government, Mm -hmm. advancing leadership roles for women. Mm -hmm. And in NASA, I'm currently focused on elections. So we we pay a lot of attention to endorsing women that we feel will advance the mission Mm -hmm. of now. Mm -hmm. And my chapter in particular is involved in a lot of anti-racism work. Wow. Okay. And why so? Has Have you seen, I mean, of course, you know, has it been um, pre- more prevalent lately because of, I guess, what's going on currently in, in, you know, in the United States with regards to politics? Yeah, well, you know, Long Island Tech is one of the most segregated places in the entire country. Mm. And, you know, in particular, Nassau County does have a long history of segregation. And as you know, in recent times, there have been major uprisings and there's a considerable movement for black lives Mm -hmm. and people of color and you know, we want to make sure that the women of color in our counties and in our districts are um, enti- are, are have access to the same opportunities that we do as white women. Mm-hmm. And so that's been important for me to work with my sisters who are members of my chapter, who I have, you know, many women of color as part of my chapter. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we want to make sure that we're advancing issues that are very specific to those women. Okay. Wow. That's really important. Yep. And thank you for that, because it is so true, especially since, you know, what, um, since 2016, it's really become quite, um, I guess, it's been, I, I, I don't know, I, I, I don't know how to say it. I guess it's just been very divided and there's like so much going on so uh, i'm so glad that you're involved in it and that you're making sure that uh you know women definitely get the endorsements and representation that they need in order to keep going with the mission so did you have did you have an aha moment 
you know, with regards to being involved with now, um, and what was that for you? Yeah, um, well, I didn't, I wouldn't say in particular um, an aha moment with regard to now, but in terms of just my involvement in social justice work in general, because mm-hmm. it involves my professional work and it also involves a lot more than um, in the women's rights movement, mm-hmm. you know, I, I would say that, um, you know, the thing that really happened that sort of got me a lot, got me to sort of up my game mm-hmm. and get involved at a much bigger level was the Muslim ban. Mm. Um, when when um, I received a call um, right around that time asking all attorneys to get involved in representing and helping the people who, you know, were family of Muslim people who were unable to either come back. Some of them were citizens. Some of them were, you know, green card holders. Some of them were not citizens. Some Mm -hmm. of them were immigrants. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Muslim people in general were having a lot of trouble um, either coming into the country or coming back into the country when President Trump former President Trump announced the Muslim ban. Right. And so that was a call to action. And, you know, I had gotten many calls to action, but when that came in, mm. for whatever reason, I think I just, I could identify with, you know, the injustice. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to, I just wanted to step up for that. And I, I just, I found out on, on a Friday evening and I just, I ran down there on a Saturday morning wow. and joined that group of attorneys and they were led by the ACLU mm-hmm. and there were some amazing attorneys running that operation and it was really gratifying to be there and stand up for those people. Was, was it, uh, holy cow, I mean, I can't even imagine what you must have seen, but, you know, can you say well were you scared of being there because you were representing the um you know these people who were being told that you shouldn't be here um or were you more like as i were you more angry that you that these that that these you know people who had who who belong here you know um had to be what were being treated um, inhumanely. Honestly, I I was angry and I was upset mm. that anyone was being treated yeah. inhumanely. You know, mm-hmm. I'm I'm a very strong believer in human rights for all people. Yes, and mm-hmm. so and a lot of the work I do, you know, I also do immigration work now, and I, mm-hmm. and I represent a lot of immigrants. And I just, it was just confounding to me the way immigrants have been treated Yeah. Um, since 2016. Um, there's a history of, you know, wrong, wrongful treatment towards immigrants mm-hmm. in this country to some extent. But with, during that period from 2016 and, and forward, right. things got really out of control. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah, I was infuriated with the way people were being treated, and I just felt like I had to really, you know, really stand up. Um, that must have know, been, uh, yeah, I, I can only, I, I, 
I applaud you for that. And to all of your colleagues who, you know, who bravely step forward and say, you know what, this can't stand, um, because it shouldn't stand. This is something that it's, they're human, they're humans, you know, they, we're all the same, you know, uh, at, the, at the end of the day, we're all human. So I, I, I applaud you for that. And I did read that um, you had, you also went, uh, you got involved with another project called the Dilly Pro Bono Project. Can you tell me a little bit about that? And what was that about? Yeah, so that was that was amazing. Um, that project, that's a group of, of attorneys and uh, translators, interpreters, um, and other volunteers who work at the borders. So they work at the U.S. borders in uh, in Texas, mm. and they work at the U.S. borders in California. Mm-hmm. Primarily, the one the project I was involved with was at the Texas border mm-hmm. uh, with Mexico, and um, I I went down. It was um, a week long project, and that was to help women and children mm-hmm. who were being held in the in a residential they called it a residential facility but actually it's a jail hmm. in fact you know we attorneys called it the baby jail that's how we refer to it wow. um you know off record not not off the record here but we would refer to it you know without saying it in front of the guards and mm-hmm. such we would call it the baby jail Wow. Um, it's called the South Texas Residential Facility, I think. And um, women and children were being held there mm-hmm. for um, entering the country, basically. These women were fleeing gang, viol- gang violence, mm-hmm. rapes, attempted rapes, um, threats to their lives, threats to their children's lives, seeing wow. people killed right in front of their eyes. Oh, my gosh. Um, just the most heinous, egregious acts imaginable yeah and you know this is how they were being treated and we were there to prepare them for everything they needed to be ready for mm-hmm. to accompany them to interviews with asylum officers and to represent them in those hearings mm-hmm. um and it was amazing it was a very gratifying experience um it was pro bono mm-hmm. and it was you know one week and we worked very long hours into the night. Wow. And uh, I met some of the most beautiful, amazing, compassionate, funny, mm. caring people. Wow. And yeah, I mean, with everything they were going through, mm-hmm. you know, they, they'd still, you know, show up day after day, take care of their kids. Mm. meet with the attorneys, provide the information. I was just very, very moved by those families. Now, when you worked on those cases, what do you, I mean, when you worked on them, did they actually get the help they needed and and then were they actually able to stay in the United States because of, of what you've done? Or is there still a lot of red tape that they had to go through. Well, you know, in one week, you, you're doing. You're only. You're only actually moving the needle 
a little bit. So mm. every week there would be another team that would go down. Oh, okay. So, yes, my work would move the needle wow. a little bit. The Jeez. next team would move the needle further. The next team would move the needle further. And it would just, you know, because these things aren't taken care of in one week. So, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, the people, they actually ultimately, you know, I have the statistics somewhere, but they were there for some of them months, some of them a year, you oh know, some gosh. of them longer. Um, and ultimately, I believe most of the people who were in the detention center at the time I was there did ultimately get released. Oh, thank goodness. Um, into the country. Um, but there were many people before and after who, you know, who did not. Yeah. And who, who were deported and so forth. Um, but we were able to help the majority of the women and children who were wow. there at that time, uh-huh. you know, long term. That's, that's great to hear. I mean, how... How were the conditions when you went to those detention centers or or were they as horrific as what I've read or what other people have read online, uh, you know, in newspapers and and probably seen on, on, you know, some uh, some streams and and video streams? Right. Well, you know, there are different levels of, um, you know, less than adequate conditions right Mm, so mm -hmm. based on the facility based on the timeline um so some of the stuff that you saw in the media Mm -hmm. was people being held by border patrol right so in other words when you saw people laying on um, aluminum blankets and those types of conditions most of that Mm -hmm. was at facilities where when people first came into the country Mm -hmm. and they weren't yet turned over to OSS, they weren't going before asylum officers yet. It was still actually being held by border patrol officers. Wow. And that's when they were often kept in those kinds of conditions. Um, There were buildings where people were held that immigrants call the Hialera, which is means icebox. Oh, geez. And, you know, the people would come in, and when, by the time I would meet them, they would talk about the Hilebas. And those were, you know, um, places where some of the people I met had already been. Mm. So they did go through those conditions um, at the time. You know, a lot changed after that, mm-hmm. back and forth, up and down, worse, better, worse, better. So it's kind of hard to, you know, isolate in one time. But mm-hmm. at the time when I was at the residential facility in Texas, you know, the conditions were certainly not you know ideal certainly not what you would want Mm -hmm. but they weren't you know they weren't that quite that egregious Mm. either as you know the heel letters so you would have you know you would have um varying degrees of (laughs) you know you know and and the moms wouldn't really talk about it to be honest with you they Mm -hmm. they didn't they weren't complaining a lot Mm -hmm. they just wanted to do what they could to take care of their children and you know um yeah, so I mean, I could I could talk about you know things that weren't great and, mm-hmm. and things that were difficult. I mean, we weren't allowed to touch or hug the children. Mm-hmm. We weren't allowed to, you know, really give any kind of physical comfort. Wow, um, which was difficult. Yeah, um, and you know there were a lot of rules, and you didn't get a lot of time sometimes with the client. Um, mm-hmm. So there were a lot of things that were difficult, but yeah. Um, hmm. yeah so, geez, that's that's. You know, we're hoping that things are moving in a, a much more positive direction these days with mm-hmm. a new president, right, and a new administration, right. 
Wow. Okay. Thank you so much for sharing about that. Um, so since 2016, have there been more people involved with now? And, and have people's involvement suffered lately because of the pandemic? Uh, yeah, so I, I would say yes, that uh, the membership grew around, you know, 2016, the mm-hmm. election of 2016, and in the, in, the, in the years to follow, especially those first two years, right. um, definitely grew. Nassau now um, has gone up and down during that period and even currently. And yeah, I do definitely, the pandemic has definitely impacted our ability to do some of the work that we do. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't done a lot of meeting in person. Mm-hmm. For a long time, we did none. And yeah. then we did a little bit. Right. But again, now, you know, you see there's concerns again with the Delta variant. Mm-hmm. So a lot of our work is done online right now. Right. We do Zooms, you know, and if we do meet in person, obviously we, we maintain protocols yeah. right. for, for protection, masks, and and wow. so forth. But, yeah. uh, you know, we're, we're, it's not going to stop us mm-hmm. from doing the work. Right. It's just finding new and innovative ways of doing it. I think a lot yeah. of people are successfully doing that. Right. You know? Yeah, there's always a way. <laughs> there's always a way. I mean, here we are doing a podcast, yeah. right? We yeah. don't have to see We don't have to meet them. Exactly. Exactly. And it's funny. Um, so so we actually met at Atlee, which is Action Together Long Island, during the Trump right. administration. So what prompted you to get involved with Atlee? Um, Atlee, so Action Together Long Island, right. I mean, a friend, you know, brought me in, mm-hmm. asked if I'd like to take a leadership role mm-hmm. and I was interested in that and I thought it would be great to meet other people, other women in particular mm-hmm. around Long Island who I could introduce to now, mm-hmm. who I could um, collaborate with and it's been amazing to mm-hmm. learn about all the different activist groups that exist on Long Island. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm actually stunned by that because before I got involved, I had no idea what a big activist community we have in Long yeah, Island. Yeah, same here. And, and it continues to grow, and people continue to start groups. That's and awesome. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of motivation, I think. Right. Yeah. And people oh my continue gosh. to be very involved, even you know, with a new Democratic president mm-hmm. that hasn't really changed. So mm-hmm. I'm inspired by that. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, when I got involved, it was through a friend as well. And I had no idea, you know, that there were so many other groups out there. Um, and I was really inspired when we had to go and protest about the separation of mothers and from children. Um when we were all protesting in front of, like, Jericho Turnpike, you know, there was just, like, just to see, you know, the amount of people who were so um, dedicated to fighting, you know, this, um, just the horror of it, you know, and, and I'm so glad that we, that I became involved with that, but, you know, and Absolutely. for me, it was really also because I, you know, I didn't have enough uh, I didn't know too many moms on Long Island, um, and it was great to to have the same um, women who had the same, um, I guess, who thought the same way 
about you know so many of the issues that I, I that I was also involved with. So it was great, you know, and and I love that uh, they're still so strong, which is really you know there's still like other groups out there that are doing that, making sure that you know <laughs> that um, anything that's um, I guess any uh, um, inequality is 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 definitely addressed. So I love that. Um, yeah. So do you think it's more important now, more than ever, for women and young girls to get involved with activism? I do, I do. I think the most important thing, of course, is that young people understand that voting is extremely important. Mm -hmm. So I think at 18, you know, 17 years old, you know, they should register as soon as they can and so that they can vote in their first election when they're 18 years old. Mm -hmm. I think it's important for them to get, you know, vote in local elections and not just national elections. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and to do that, they have to be aware of what's going on right. in their communities. So not everyone, of course, is going to become deeply involved in politics mm -hmm. and social justice on the level that, you know, you and I have been involved. But I do think that that young people should, young women should be encouraged to, to get involved and find out what's going on in their communities, what the major issues are, and then vote for their local representatives. That's the most important thing in my mind yeah, for I young so, women. Yeah, I so agree. Okay, so with that in mind, um, with the current state of, of unrest going on in Afghanistan right now, um, is now at all, um, like, at all involved with trying to help the women and children out of there? Or is this, because, um, is it, not even um, in uh, in the scope of now because is now um, since it's only a na it's since it's a national organization it's not an international organization but is um, right. is now involved a, in any capacity with regarding that what's going on I, over I there? Think, yeah, I think on a national level, you know, there may be statements of support that are made. There mm -hmm. may be. Um, I'm not actually. I haven't actually checked into you know yet to, mm -hmm. to see if there are any actions around that mm -hmm. um i did receive um you know already reach outs from other organizations professional organizations that are involved with mm -hmm. lawyer organizations that you know are looking for volunteers or looking oh, for people good. to get involved to help i mean it's it's really the, yeah. the problem of course is there's so much going on yes. at any given time as you right. know Tess, and yeah especially especially for women mm -hmm. i mean there's always something going on and certainly you know i hope to um you know take any action that i can around mm -hmm. support for the afghan women i think that's critical right now yeah. i know there are many groups that are doing that work right um no I, I was just time, curious about that yeah yeah we, we there's there's just there are so many things you know on the local level and yeah. state level right national level um yeah so but when if, if it does happen then i'm sure you'll be like so oh yeah <laughs> count me in like oh my gosh yeah, oh absolutely oh absolutely. my gosh it's it's really troubling you know like seeing what's going on over there um and i just had i i wanted to like just pick your brain and, and see if you know what the um if any was uh now was going to be involved in so, but thank you for that. 
So, okay, so is there someone or people you would credit for where you are now? Um, you know, I, I, there isn't really one person in particular. I do believe that everything we experience in our lives leads us to that next step mm. on our journey. So I, I you know, and I, and I feel like even in the worst of times in my life, mm-hmm. I received the support that I needed. People showed up mm-hmm. um, to help me grow and change and do that next right thing. I've had friends, I've had teachers, mentors, and people in my life who've hurt me or made things difficult for me. And I really believe that I've gained from all of those relationships, mm-hmm. even the ones that may not, that maybe at the time I did, I thought, you know, I wish, you know, this hadn't happened or, mm-hmm. you know, um, I feel like every relationship that I've had and every teacher in my life mm-hmm. has um, has given me something. Oh, well, that's great to hear. So do you have any personal goals at the moment? Personal goals. <laughs> For me, it's an ongoing thing, you know. Um, mm. I, I'm always having another goal to, you know, I, I always have another um, level that I want to reach. Mm-hmm. And, but importantly, most significantly, you know, I, I want to continue to do meaningful work mm-hmm. and, you know, that's not always going to look the same, Right. whether it's helping clients in my immigration practice, my sexual assault practice, my business practice, um, whether it's through my activism work or mm-hmm. my professional work, as long as I'm doing meaningful work, I feel fulfilled. Yeah. Um, you know, um, I used to do a lot of business work mm-hmm. and for a while that was that was okay but it ultimately became unfulfilling for me mm-hmm. and I was while I was doing the corporate work I ended up doing pro bono work in domestic violence for the safe center Long Island huh. I would help out employees of the company I worked for with their personal legal issues and that, oh, wow. that became a wake up <laughs> call for me and I realized you know I, I should be doing this. I spread myself. Yeah. 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 I was so busy and, and yet and yet I was, you know, running running into, you know, a, a school hearing mm. for an employee's child mm-hmm. who, you know, had gotten suspended. And I thought, you know, this is I'm doing this because this is what I really want to be doing. Right. Um, right. and why am I spending all this time, you know, doing you know, working for someone's company mm-hmm. when I really want to be helping these people doing this kind of work for individuals. And yeah. ultimately that led to me leaving mm-hmm. corporate work mm-hmm. and, you know, representing more individuals. I still do business uh, advice and mm-hmm. counsel, but I do it from my own practice on mm-hmm. my terms right. so that I have the time I need to do the work that's more meaningful for me personally. That's wonderful. I love that. Okay. And what are your goals for now? For the organization? Yes, for the organization or for any projects that you're that you're currently involved in. Yeah, um, so, you know, I, there's so much going on, Tess, honestly. <laughs> it's like, I, I, for my brain to even try to focus. But yeah. I mean, look, you know, I feel like when Barack Obama was elected mm-hmm. you know um i thought you know all problems are over like i i, I had rose-colored glasses on mm-hmm. for sure mm-hmm. and i feel like 
a lot of people did. And I think at that time, there was a lot of ugly still in this world, still mm-hmm. in this country that was just hidden. Yep. And, you know, people knew the old boys club behavior and blatant racism was not acceptable, but people yeah. didn't stop being bigots and misogynists. Mm-hmm. They just knew not to let it show. And right. then 2016 changed all that oh, and the yeah. ugly surfaced in oh, a big yeah. way. Yes. And now I feel like we have to root it out. Mm-hmm. And what that means is the election of progressive candidates from local to national politics. It means lots of anti-racism education, mm-hmm. whether that's conferences, book studies, webinars. Um, and it's about education about the real history of our country. Mm. So I want to see, you know, strong, ethical women being elected who will uphold the rule of law, fight for equity, mm-hmm. prioritize humanitarian treatment of all people, and, and now can help that happen by getting those kind of women elected. Yeah. You know, we need to see sexism, a thing of the past. We need to see harassment. You see, you know, you see these cases coming out. I mean, I won't get into my cases Mm -hmm. that I work on, but I'm sure you've seen it in the news. Um, Sexual harassment, Mm -hmm. sexual assault have to be a thing of the past. They have got, you know, enough is enough. Yeah. And, you know, I'm gratified by some of those recent outcomes for men who abuse, but we still have Brett Kavanaugh on the Supreme Court. Yeah. And that's a travesty of justice, you know, mm-hmm. and we can never stop. We can never give up working for that justice because we need we need to get to a place where it would be unthinkable for somebody like that man to be placed on the highest court in the land. Yeah, you're right. I so agree. And it's really <laughs> it's frightening in a way that he is in in that the highest you know, court. <laughs> it's like, like, I, I can't even. Yeah, but we're not we're not going to go with that right now. Um, but yeah, you're right. Oh boy, yeah, we have a lot of work to do still. You know, we've <laughs> we've had some wins, like you said, we've had some losses. But can we continue to fight? We, so long as we continue to fight, you know, this <laughs> we definitely have a chance, um, and more than a chance. So, um, so is there something you haven't done that or uh, that you would like to try? You know, outside of work. Outside of, (laughs) outside. Well, okay. When you have the time, (laughs) that sliver of time that you have, when when Patty is not working and saving women and children and saving the world, what does what would you like to do, or what do you like to do? Yeah, I mean, I think the reason I laugh is it's just because I guess there's always somebody thinks I'm trying to, you know. Um, new things I'm trying to. Oh, cool. Uh, I've, mo- I've moved around a lot, I feel like, in my career, certainly. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, tried many different areas professionally. So I think that's what was making me laugh. But I understand what you're asking. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I mean, look, I think it's also important to have family time. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, I do have hobbies, believe it or not. <laughs> I don't get to them that often. Right. I'm sure. I think that the pandemic gave me some time to do some of my hobbies, like painting and drawing, which I absolutely love. Mm. And um, that's important, too, because, as you said, you know, we can't, as one person, be just out there trying to save the world Mm -hmm. every day of our lives. We need to have family time. We need to have quiet time, Mm -hmm. time to reflect. Yep. Yep. and, you know, that 
that's something that I'm still learning about mm -hmm. all the time, to be honest with you. Um, it's more of a struggle for me to um, reflect and take that quiet time than mm -hmm. it is to work. I've always worked right. my whole life, and, and that sort of comes naturally to me. Well, that's not a um, negative. It's not a negative. I, th I think it's something that you're so devoted to because you believe in it, which is great. But you also have to, and you're realizing that, you know, you're also, you also know that without rest for Patty, there's no, you know, you can't keep going. Exactly, exactly. I won't have the energy to do the important work if I don't take that downtime. So, right, right. Um, yeah, and... Uh, well, I'm glad that you do. You have hobbies, and now you can just, like, you know, whatever sliver time you have, <laughs> you can kind of, like, get into that, so. Yeah, you know, I mean, I have considered running for office. Um, ah. I've had people talk to me about that. I've had people ask me, um, and I've considered it mm -hmm. on different levels. And if I do eventually do that, it would definitely be local. Mm. It would be you know, legislating, because that makes the most sense for me as an attorney, mm -hmm. where my knowledge base is. Um, I'm still undecided about that, mm -hmm. but it's a possibility. Oh, good for you. That's great. Oh, my goodness. That's great. That would be awesome. Okay, so is there a way for others to get involved with now? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So what people can do to join if they're not members of the, the larger organization itself is they can just go to now.org mm -hmm. and um, join. And it's a sliding scale. You can pay as little as $15, I think it is, maybe mm -hmm. even less. Um, the general fee is $35. You would just go to now.org. And when you sign up, it'll ask you to choose your chapter. Mm -hmm. And you would just choose NASA now, but the number is 0428, I think. And you just choose that one, Nassau, okay. New York. Okay. And that would make you a member of Nassau Now. And then to get to find out what we're doing and to stay abreast of what we're doing, the best way is to go on Facebook and like our public page and our um, private page, both called Nassau Now. Okay. Great. And then you'll find out all the information and, mm -hmm. you know, how to get involved and when we have meetings and so forth. Great. Okay. So... We talked about you possibly um, running for office, and so that's the what does that the future you're you're looking into, or what does the future hold for you? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm not, um, I'm I'm not necessarily looking into it. Mm -hmm. It's come up. I've discussed it with people. Um, could happen. Mm -hmm. Um, I also just want to grow my practice and, um, you know, um, I'd like to just build my practice a little bit to the point where I can maybe hire an associate mm -hmm. or two so that I could focus on the strategy, negotiating, um, speaking and appearances rather than having to also you know handle every court appearance and all mm. that kind of stuff okay so yeah i'm hoping to grow my practice okay cool and what do you think is the future for now 
uh, for now as an, organi as mm -hmm. an organization. As an organization. Yes, NASA now. I mean, I think, oh, NASA now. I think, um, I think, you know, um, I think now is going to continue. NASA now is going to continue doing the great work it's doing, whether, you know, whatever level I am involved. I am the president now, but frankly, I would eventually like to see a woman of color take over that mm. role. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I do have I do have members who are women of color. So far, no one has stepped up to say that they would like to take over the role of president. But mm -hmm. um, I think probably also, you know, that would have to be when I decide, you know, I'm definitely going to pass on mm -hmm. okay. uh, the helm. And if I do, you know, once I would share that with people, I'm mm -hmm. sure somebody you know, hopefully would step up. Wow. and take okay. that on but um yeah eventually I, I would i'd like to see you know i'd still be very involved and i'd still you know even be an officer or you know help run run the chapter if that was desirable but i i would i would love to see because i think it's really important that women of color um take on these leadership roles yeah for sure oh my gosh yeah that would be wonderful that would be really amazing okay so is there anything you'd like to say to the listeners I like to say to the listeners, you know, just I think it's important that um, if you want to see things change in your community, um, try to get involved in a way that works for you. You know, even if you have an hour a week to spare, consider giving that hour to a cause that's close to your heart. Hmm. Okay. You know, some people don't have time and they have more important um, um, issues. Mm -hmm. They may have hardships in their lives, but anyone that really wants to get involved um i think you know it, it's a great thing to you know contact your board of elections mm -hmm. contact your local now chapter right um and find out find out how you can how you can help right and what would you say to young people who would like to get involved with now more now now yeah anyone that's under 18 so if it's youth you know, teenagers, people in high school, you can contact Young Feminists and Allies. Mm -hmm. That is the um, the youth chapter of now. It's an amazing virtual chapter, and it's focused on the future of feminism. And you can find that at youngfeministsnow.com. Great. Awesome. And you can also reach out to me if you'd like to get involved in NASA, um, and that's patty at nownasa.com. Great. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah, um, my daughter was actually involved with Why Now uh, for a, a little bit um, until she mm -hmm. got until she got involved with school, uh, with other things in school. But she thought it was a, a great, um, it was a really good uh, education for her in terms of activism, and she really like she she loved being a part of it. Um, so I, I thank you for that. And uh, so if you had one thing to change that you wish you had done years ago, what would that be? Well, you know, as I had, you know, talked about earlier, I really feel like the mistakes that we make um, lead us to where we need to be mm -hmm. and because we learn from them. Mm -hmm. So um, I don't really regret, you know, I never did this or I did or, or I shouldn't have done that. 
but um, you know, yeah, it, it'll it'll come to my mind. You know, why didn't I go to law school earlier than I did? You know, why? Because I didn't go to law school straight out of college, like mm-hmm. a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. And you know, but honestly, um, I think that if I didn't do something sooner in my life, it was because I was not ready at that time, and it mm-hmm. wasn't the right time and place. I'm just a believer in that. Mm-hmm. I think that. Um, you know, we get where we are, not only despite our mistakes, but because of our mistakes, because that's, mm. that's how we learn. Yeah. And that's how we learn what fulfills us most and what we're best at. I love that. So, um, yeah. I love that. I, I don't have any regrets, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm right where I'm supposed to be. That's great. Okay, so the last question is, if you could go back in time, what would you tell your younger self? Uh, I would tell my younger self, you know, just trust, take it easy and take it a day at a time and you'll get where you're going. Awesome. I love that. (laughs) Um, I love that. Oh, Patty, thank you so much for coming on and being so generous with your time. I know how busy you are, but I really, really appreciate you coming on. You're very welcome, and it was, it was a pleasure to be here, Tess. Oh, my goodness. Okay, well, and please keep it posted with what's going on with NOW and um, the projects that you're involved in, and uh, it, yeah, I would really love to be updated on that. Um, and until then, you know, um, have a good day, and I will talk to you soon. Take okay. care. You too. Bye. That's our show for today. I've posted more information about Patricia Pastor on RevWoman.com. Thank you for listening, and I hope you'll tune in every Thursday for another episode of Revolutionary Woman. You can listen to Revolutionary Woman on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. Just a little note. I've launched a Patreon account to support the show. All proceeds will go to producing and editing the episodes to give my poor husband a break for being my personal IT and production department. He wrote this. The address is patreon.com slash revwoman.